Spirit, would that Holy Spirit breathe on me? Isn't it amazing? That song was put in line to be done this day three months ago. Three months ago. And I needed it so bad today. And uh, Holy Spirit, lead me, cleanse me, direct me. I've told you last week that those old, old songs got some great messages, right? Now, let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. And I want you to know that I stand before you as a flawed Christian. I am flawed. But I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. Because I couldn't get there. I'm only going to heaven because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses my sin. I want to do right. I want to follow the Lord. And I fall short. Many mistakes. Many, many mistakes. But I want to serve Jesus. And that's where we need to be. Hebrews chapter 2. We want to continue thinking about this ideal of neglecting salvation. Follow me in verse 1, Hebrews 2. This is our last week with this, so i I, I got to get it done, right? Therefore, we ought to give. Therefore, we, that's you and I, we need to give the more earnest heed. We need to pay attention. We need to listen. We need to learn. We need to not play like we know it all. Our hearts need to be open. Give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. You know, the preacher's job is not to bring a new revelation to you. If you get a new revelation, it's probably a false revelation. It's not the preacher's job to give you a new revelation. It's the preacher's job to remind you of the old revelation. Lest at any time we should let them slip. And isn't that the Christian life? Slipping back and forth. Two steps forward, three backwards. One step forward, two back. Three steps forward, two back. That's the Christian life. We slip and we slide in this walk if we're not standing firm on the Word of God. If we're standing on our emotions, we will, we will slip. We must stand on the truth of God's Word. Now, he said, If a word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward... He says, we can look back at history, look back at the Word of God, and we see that God said what He meant meant what He said. If that be true, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which, at the first, began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him. What we have there in the latter part of verse Three is the testimony of Jesus in the Gospels and the testimony of the apostles in the rest of the New Testament. That's what we have. But I want to look at, as we have the last two weeks, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Now, I don't know where everybody is today. I don't know where you stand with God, so I'm just going to assume we got people standing in every place. First of all, there are people here who are not a Christian. You've 
never been saved, you've never made a profession of faith, and, and you may not even know anything about the Lord. I don't know where you are, but we encourage you not to neglect the opportunity to hear the gospel, and we encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ and trust Him as your Lord and Savior. Considering that there's 8 billion, almost 8 billion people in the world today, what a privilege it is to hear the good news of Christ, that God loves us, that Jesus came, the Son of God, to die for us, that we could be brought back to where Adam slipped out of the will of God and was lost. We can be brought back to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege it is to hear. And if you're saved, you are a chosen person in Christ. Now, last week, we looked at the, clo- the cost of neglecting our salvation. The, the first week, we looked at, if we don't get saved, what happens? We need to be saved. Last week, we looked at the Christian, and that actually the text, the context of the, the statement, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? It, the context says it's talking to the Christian. So what can we lose if we neglect our salvation? I'll list them to you pretty quick, and we'll move on. First of all, we lose our fellowship with the Lord Jesus. uh, If you're you're neglecting your salvation, you can pretend to be in fellowship with the Lord, but you're really not in fellowship with the Lord. We can pretend it. If you're not fellowshipping with other believers, you're probably not in fellowship with Jesus. I spoke to an individual at a at a, uh, a side-of-the-road sale of, of watermelon. I paid $15 for a watermelon. I about died. But I just dealt the money out and went on down my way. But he had a lot of things there about the Bible. And I, 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 per, I perceived he was a Christian. And so I skipped through the chase, and I said, Hey, where do you go to church? He said, I don't go. <laughs> wow. You say you love Jesus but don't love his bride. If you love Jesus and don't love love the bride, the church is the bride of Christ. There's an inconsistency. So I, I didn't I didn't tackle him, I didn't attack him, I didn't I just went on my way. But when you neglect your salvation, which going to church is a part of your salvation in the sense that it's a it's a, it's it's a result of your salvation. Uh, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. It was already going on when the book of Hebrews was written. We're not to neglect that, but we we lose our fellowship with Christ. I'm not going to tell you where you are or where you're not. That's for you to decide. But secondly, we lose the power of the Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, it's not a loud thing, but it's a very, it's a very powerful thing that works through our lives. The, the, the power of the Holy Ghost. We lose that. Thirdly, we lose our confidence. We lose our confidence. We could also call this the assurance of our salvation. We lose our confidence. We lose the assurance of... We, we, we kind of... When, when we neglect our salvation, we're not living up to where we need to be as a Christian, and, and we lose that confidence that we need, and we desperately need that confidence. Another thing that we lose when we neglect our salvation is we lose the right kind of influence on other people. 
You know, we are either a billboard advertising for Jesus or advertising against him. We're either telling people, hey, this thing of the Christian life is a good thing, you need to be a part of it, or we're saying, hey, I don't want anything to do with that hypocrisy. Our life is doing that. We, we need to be careful of that. The Bible teaches us that we need to consider our testimony, we need to consider our influence, we need to consider how we're living in front of other people because it's important that they see a consistent Christian, not a perfect Christian. You know, sometimes when you try to live that old perfection, you get to the place where you think you can judge other people. There's nothing that turns people away from Christ quicker than judging others. Although they're doing it at the same time they're judging us for judging. <laughs> Got to be careful not to get in that place. And I'll tell you what happens to me. Uh, when I, when I, I, I do a circle. I, 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 get up, I get up to that spot and... About the time I'm at the pinnacle of, man, I've got it all figured out and I'm doing good. Man, I have a flat tire. I thought, what in the world? You've been saved for 40 years and you're thinking that way? I'm a flawed believer, amen? Some of you say, I know. Well, we lose, we lose our influence on others. As I said, as a Christian, we don't want to be a perfect Christian. I mean, we can want to be, but we don't wait till we get there before we try to uh, lead others to Christ or win other people or influence other people. And when we get to that place, pride steps in. And we've got to be careful of pride because, you know, I've got I to take care of me first. I've got I to get me straightened out. When I get me straightened out, and that's a bad place to be in. If you're, if you're not a preacher, you don't understand half what I'm saying. Some, some people think that he's up there preaching against us. I got the sermon before you did. I got a good amen over there. I remember when his great-grandfather used to say amen. Amen! <laughs> but we lose that right influence. I said right influence because we can drive people away from God. What did he say about the millstone? Anybody remember anything Jesus said about a millstone? If we would hinder, what is the word there? If we would what, offend, if we would offend one of these little ones. Now, who are the little ones? First of all, they're, they're little kids, aren't they? Right? Be careful how you act in front of little kids. Be careful how you act in front of teenagers. You can hinder. Offend them. Be careful how you act in front of weak Christians. Weak Christians. They're little children too. And when you're a mature Christian and you're mistreating immature Christian, you are a carnal Christian, which is the worst place you can be. Because you're not thinking about others. You're only thinking about yourself. So what did Jesus... Now Jesus said... He didn't say, I'm literally going to do this. But he said, it would be better that a millstone... It would be better. What do you mean? It would be better that a millstone well, hung around your neck. This is where the mafia got this, by the way. It'd be better that a millstone were hung around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. 
than that you would offend one of these little ones. We classified who the little ones are. When you, by the way, when you offend someone that's not a little one, then someone else is going to be offended by that. And someone else, it's like throwing the rock out in the pond. The pond is pretty smooth, and you throw the rock out in the pond, and it just keeps trickling out until it gets. And that's what happens. I was told a story years ago about a preacher who, who was criticized by, by uh, one of the church members. And, and, and I don't know if he's doing right or wrong, but he was criticized. And he, was, ended, up, he ended up in the hospital, third floor, Memphis Hospital. And uh, the preacher, this years ago, the person felt bad and wanted to get right. When you get right, what do you do? You need to go to someone and apologize to them, don't you? Right? First of all, you need to change your behavior. <laughs> and you go to them. So he went to the, to the preacher in the third floor of Memphis Hospital, Baptist Hospital. And he wrote it out, a little, little thing of apology. And uh, he told the preacher he's sorry. And the preacher said, hey, I forgave you years ago. And that, if preachers don't do that, we can't preach, by the way. We have to forgive people pretty quick. We hold grudges. The Holy Ghost doesn't give us any power to speak. So we, we have to take care of that. We, the only difference between you and a preacher, we've got to get right with God to preach every week. You can get away with it. <clears throat> but the preacher said, hand me that note. The preacher took that note and tore it up in many small pieces. And the guy said, man, this is good. Man, I appreciate that preacher's heart. The preacher wasn't done yet. He handed it back to the guy, put it in his hand. He said, now you take it out there and throw it out that window. He said, what I want you to see is that no one can take back all of the damage that you have done because that's spread everywhere. And you can't pick up all the pieces. We need to be careful about our influence, don't we? And, and I'm, t- I'm talking, hey, I've done it, man. I have, I have been wrong. I have been wrong. And, you know, I, I thought I was so big that I never did wrong. But, you know, I started growing when I finally realized I'd been wrong. When I realized that I hadn't been the, the, where I needed to be all the time. I grew more that day than I had in 10 years before. You know, there's a lot of us need to need to come to that understanding. So you lose your influence, the right influence. You lose the joy of your salvation. Hey, you know what? These See these young people right here? See these people all over these rows here? Man, I, man, I got joy today. Hey, joy, joy, Jesus, others, and yourself. Right? Jesus, J, others, O, yourself last. You put Jesus first, others before yourself, and yourself last. Is that not joy? That's where it begins. It really does. And so you lose the joy of your salvation, and you lose rewards in heaven. Someday Jesus is going to reward those that were faithful, those that served him, those that influenced others, those that tried to win people to Christ. There's going to be a day of reckoning where we're going to suffer regret or reward. So, how do you neglect your salvation? I, I will say get it out of the way first by, by allowing sin to creep back into your life. 
How do you neglect your salvation? By allowing sin. And sin is forever at our doorstep. Sin is forever at our doorstep. And we have to be careful, and it does get in, and when it gets in, we need to confess it as sin. And one sin leads to another sin, which leads to another sin. And don't think for a minute that David woke up one day, that man after God's own heart, and said, you know, I'm going to go out and commit adultery. It was step by step by step by step by step getting to that point. And sin disrupted his life and caused him a lot of other trouble, generational trouble. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 is a very good verse I want to give to you. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. You got a besetting sin. Did you know that? Do you know that yet? I know my besetting sins. I don't know them all. But I know the ones that want to reoccur. What is your percent? Gossip? Gossip. That's the Christian sin. It's okay. We're just, we're getting ready to pray for them. We're going to pray for them. We want, we want the best for them. We're trying to help. Did you hear what I heard last? Oh, we disguise that, don't we? And I do agree when you're trying to pray for someone, you can talk like that. But be careful because when we say when it's judgmental, I don't know how much help that is. What is your besetting sin? Is is it a sexual sin? Is it a carnal sin? Is Is it a spiritual sin? We need to be cautious of that sin that does so easily beset us. You know, Bud Light doesn't bother me a bit. I'm not tempted at all. Matter of fact, I'm never going to drink another Bud Light. I don't think I've ever had a Bud Light. <laughs> but, you know, chocolate cake's another story. What do we do when we sin? Well, 1 John 1, 6 says that the Bible was written so that we could have fellowship with the Father. That's 1 John 1, 6. The Bible is written. John actually says there, he said, we're writing this to you that you can be with us, understand us, walk with us, because we walk with him. So John is saying, and John, 1 John 1, 6, we're writing you this Bible, this New Testament, so that you can get involved with our experience with the one who is the Savior of the world, and we want you to so get into that that you have fellowship with him. And then after he wrote that, he said, if we walk in darkness and say we have fellowship with him, we lie and we do not the truth. So if we want to hold on to Jesus with one hand and hold on to sin with the other hand, uh, there's a problem there. That's hypocrisy, isn't it? And don't tell me it don't happen. It happens. We want to have fellowship with the Lord, and, and we can't do that. Sin is a problem in the Christian life. And when, when we realize that we have sinned, we need to, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of, of unrighteousness. And I am not saying we just continue to sin and keep praying, although you should. That's not the remedy, right? The remedy is to pray that confession and God give me strength, give me wisdom, whatever you need. 
if it's if it's sexual sin, the Bible says run from it, right? Or, or for me, if I interpreted that, I'd run from the chocolate cake. Amen. Run from it. Throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. It's better for me in the trash than on the table. And I might not dig it out. Maybe not. Ephesians chapter five says. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Do you get it? As dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named once among you as you become saints, as you continue to grow in Christ. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this I know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, or no covetous man, idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Then Ephesians 5:11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Now, let me tell you something. In America, there was a time that sinful, bold sinfulness walked down the back alleys in the dark. But they're showing up on Main Street now. And Lord, help us in these days. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15, he says, Wherefore he saith, Awaken thou that sleep, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. He said, wake up, Christian. Wake up, Christian. And he said, rise from the dead and let Christ give you light. That you can walk circumspectly, which meaning walk according to the teaching of the New Testament. Those are scriptures telling us that we don't need to allow sin to creep into our lives. It will cause us to neglect our salvation. It prevents us from growing. Secondly, the second one, how do we neglect our salvation? We, say, we can say it a couple different ways. By not growing in our salvation. I, I, I actually termed it not mastering our salvation. Not that you can ever really master it. But you need to be trying to master it. Have you got a talent? Have you got a gift that you have, you know, you got a gift and you know you do. And, and if you do, what should you do? You should try to develop it, right? Get better at it. You know, there's people that can take your car and have a dent in it and they can get that dent out without body work, without bondo and paint. And they have to hone those skills. And I'm saying about the Christian life, we need to master it in the sense that we grow in Christ, grow in our understanding of the Word, and, and, and just, you know, as a Christian, we're born as a babe. And as babes, we desire the milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. We are babes and we learn to crawl. Then we learn to walk. And we learn to run. And all of those terms are biblical terms. They, the Bible uses those to explain and illustrate the Christian life. There's lots of verses I can share you. I, I, I want to I share just one. It's in Romans 8, 31. And Jesus said to those Jews that believed on him, If you continue in my word, 
then you are my disciples indeed. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for the salvation of somebody that prayed a prayer and goes about their business and you don't see them anymore. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for their salvation. It hadn't worked that way with me. I've tried to get away and hadn't been able to. Anybody else like that? I've tried. I've tried. I can't do it. Why? Because the Spirit indwells me. And He indwells you. Quit trying to run away from God. You're just going to make life worse. You're going to make matters worse. You're just going to create more problems. It should be your goal and your desire to walk with Him and to grow in Him. See, as a Christian, we get a reset. Uh, in John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We need to run to God, not away from Him. The Peter in 2 Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you really look at 2 Peter chapter 1, there's some great words in there in, in the first chapter, verses 4 to 9, that it's part of mastering our salvation. It's a part of growing in our Christian faith after we've done the, the little things. We started going to church, right? We started reading our Bible, right? We start in Bible study. We're fellowshipping. We're serving God in some capacity. Then you take this verse and you look at this in 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read it for you. Wherefore are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That's the truth, isn't it? That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. And so the Christian life is us becoming more and more familiar with the nature of God and living out that nature. It doesn't always happen. We fall short. But that we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He said, and besides this, here it is. Give all diligence that you add to your faith. The first one, virtue. There it is, virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. So virtue is morality. The second one is information, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. That's patience and the ability to live it out and wait for things. To be patient with God, patient with others. Not having to be a baby to get it your way, to have your way. To have your way. Any babies out there? Yeah, there's babies. You want it now. You want it your way. Temperance. And then he said to temperance, patience, waiting. To patience, godliness. See, godliness is way on down the list after you add these other things. And to godliness, what is it? Brotherly kindness. I don't know how many Christians that I know. They got these things going on in their life, and you think, man, man, I tell you what, they're, they're really Johnny on the spot. And then the brotherly kindness thing comes up. Kindness to their brother. Just like a bunch of kids at home. We raised seven kids in our home. Debbie said she raised eight. Fussing and fighting, fussing and fighting. They'll fight for each other, but fight each other. You know, brotherly kind. And that way with Christians so many times. Fight for one another, but fight each other. Lord, help us grow beyond that. And he said, brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. For if these things be in you and they abound. In other words, they, they're, they're taking control they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful 
in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever felt like you was barren? I have. Have you ever been unfruitful? I have. If these things abide in you, he said, you will not be barren. You'll bear fruit, and you'll be fruitful. Isn't that good? He said, but if anyone lack these things, he is blind. He cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten. He's purged from his old sins. What do you mean, forgotten that he's purged? Forgotten that you are a sinner that has been purged. From your old sins. Oh, old sins? Yeah. They still going on? Forgotten that you have been purged from your old sins. Isn't that, isn't that convicting? Isn't the Word of God convicting when we really read it? And He has forgotten. Oh, so you're there where you can be the judge. Uh, you have forgotten that you are a sinner that has been purged. So that's real, isn't it? We need to master this salvation. It takes time. It takes growth. It takes preaching. It takes Bible study. It takes a willingness to learn. Hey, preacher, you nailed me today. I guarantee you there's going to be somebody come to me at the door and said, you preaching right to me today. No, I was just preaching. I hope it was the Holy Ghost that was preaching to you. I hope. Huh. You got it? You got to live on faith, not on emotions, not by your feelings. Got so many things I'd like to say, but they're too hard to say. We're to grow in our faith. We're to grow and master it. We're to personalize it. It's fit for us. You know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And God's goal is for us to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 8, 29. We've got to get in the Word, let the Word get in us. We've got, to, we've got to experience it. We've got to have some rub. Iron, sharpen with iron. You struggling right now? Hey, you struggling right now? I don't like it. No, I like that. I don't like it when I struggle, but I like it when you struggle. You say, preacher, why do you like it when I'm struggling? Because I know iron sharpening iron. And if you continue in the faith, you'll be a better person. Let that iron keep rubbing on that iron. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter told us there was an exceeding great and precious promises in that verse. Philippians, Paul tells us that we need to work out our salvation. Work out our salvation. Now, a lot of people limit that to just trying to figure out whether you're saved or not. That's not it. To work out your salvation is to let it work out. It's in here. You say, preacher, I know this person, and, 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 and I don't care for them, and they claim to be a Christian, and, and, and hey, quit judging them. We're waiting for God to work this thing out in them. I'd like to help, wouldn't you? Amen. We need to master this thing called salvation. Vance Habner, he's an old preacher back years ago. He's gone to be with the Lord now. It's been, been a long time ago. I've never forgotten. I've read this in his book. He said, God gave every one of us a wonderful foundation to build on. 
If any man be in Christ, he's got the foundation of Jesus Christ, right? Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, any other foundation won't stand, only that which is Jesus Christ, right? We have a wonderful foundation. That's where he started that statement. Do you follow me? We have a wonderful foundation that God gave us. And here's what he went on to say. Isn't it a shame that many of us choose to build a chicken coop on it? What are you trying to build into your life? Just enough to get by? Well, I don't see that. I don't see that going on in the rest of your life. I see you really trying to strive. I see God. I see you really trying to master it, learn it, to be the best at it, uh, to get ahead. I see you. But what about your Christian life? Are you just trying to live in a chicken coop? Are you trying to master what Jesus gave you to build a foundation onto that foundation? If we neglect our salvation, we don't master it. You know, I think of, many of you don't realize it's been years ago. It's been 10 or more years since the first or the second one. I, I have hearing loss, and I, I was at 30% of hearing. Can you imagine being a preacher? Somebody comes down the, the aisle, and, and they're crying. They want to tell you their problem, and you say, what? Huh? Huh? What did you say? Could you talk loud where everybody could hear you? I had that problem. I went to Shea Clinic in Memphis, Tennessee. They did surgery on this one. It gave me 90% hearing. It was so good, I went back and got the other one done, which is only down to about 50%. I got 90-something. And I can hear anything. I can hear. And you know, when, when that happened, when, I, the, when Jesus healed the ears of people that were deaf in the Bible, I felt the same way. I could hear again. But you know, what about if that doctor wouldn't have mastered that skill? He, actually, his grandfather invented the surgery. What if they didn't master that? I would be without hearing today. I'm thankful. We need to master the Christian life. Who knows? God wants you to be an influence on other people. He wants you to be like the surgeon working on He wants to use you, but you're just satisfied with the chicken coop. Come on. Let's get on board. Let's build this thing to where we need to be. God has a plan for your life. You need to get in it and on it. What if Billy Graham and other great evangelists had not mastered the gift of communication and preaching the gospel. Millions were saved because of their ministries. Wow. And then last, I'm going to give you a couple more. Maybe just one. You neglect it by just letting it be dormant. Putting God off. Putting God off. Just continuing in our sin that grace may abound. The Bible says, God forbid, don't do that. Just letting it be dormant. We need to do something with it. Jesus, in Revelation 3, he says, you're lukewarm. 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 I don't like lukewarm water, do you? I don't like lukewarm soda. God doesn't like lukewarm Christians. He says, I wish you used a cold or hot else I spew you out of my mouth. Let it be dormant. Just enough to keep other Christians satisfied that I'm saved and I can go to church and have fellowship, but not enough that I might offend the devil 
and get him stirred up against me. That's called lukewarm. Just enough to convince everybody that I'm a Christian, but not enough to be used by God. Lukewarm. I wish that you were cold or hot. See, when you're cold, God will discipline you. When you're hot, he don't need to. Then the last way in closing. The last way I want... How do we neglect our salvation? By keeping it to ourselves, Not sharing it with other people. Folks, we got this gospel in our heart and our life so that we could share it with other people. In our Bible study in basic this morning, we look at Peter and Andrew, and, and Andrew was a follower of John's uh, teaching, and then when John pointed to Jesus, uh, Andrew automatically uh, changed churches and said, I'm going with Jesus. And John said, good, you're doing the right thing. And he was a following Jesus. He spent the day with Jesus. He got to know him, experience him. You need to get to know Jesus. He's pretty good. He's good, amen. And old Andrew spent time with Jesus. What's the first thing he did? The word F-I-R-S-T, first, is in the text. It said he first found Peter and brought him to Jesus. First found him. You didn't get saved just to keep it on your own. You know, we got the Old Testament illustration in, in, in Second Kings, I believe it is, where there's beggars went into the camp where uh, God had destroyed the enemy and they feasted on the, the food and all that was left. And man, they, they had all the camping bags and all the flashlights they needed. And man, they were enjoying And one of them beggars looked at us and said, shame on us for not sharing this with other people. And they went to town and told everybody. And so the whole town went out and got a little bit of the spoils. Shame on us if we don't share Jesus with other people so others can experience the, the spoils of what happened at Calvary. Shame on us. Peter got saved, become the great, big preacher man. Peter, that unpredictable, on and off, sporadic person that you couldn't figure out. Well, hypocrite, he said, I'll never leave you, Lord. I'll never forsake you. And for the night, before the sun rose, he done denied him three times. But he got saved. You know, I'm sure there's others when they were inviting people out in Acts chapter 2, when they was inviting people to come out and hear Peter preach, I'm sure there was people saying, well, I, I ain't never going back to hear that guy. I remember he denied Jesus. I'm sure there are people that said, I ain't going, I ain't going to go listen to him. Come on now. I'm not going to go listen to him. He denied the Lord. And he did. They forgot about, and they didn't hear about the meeting when Jesus said, feed my sheep. Where Jesus didn't say, you low down sin and Peter. He didn't say that, did he? He said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, Lord. Oh, gosh. Oh, I remember that night, there was a little old girl there, and I denied that I ever knew you, Lord. Oh, no. And that's why Peter didn't want to meet Jesus. He had to learn something about Jesus. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you low-down snake that betrayed me. He said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. And the Lord knew it too, didn't he? And he invited him back in the boat with him. 
Amen? And Peter got on board, and he preached, and 3,000 got saved. The guy that brought that gospel to him was a little nobody that we only see three times in the New Testament. It wasn't a loud mouth. He was consistent, I think, in what he believed. He was consistent and very quiet. But he did the most important thing that can be done. He invited Peter to come meet Jesus. Every person that got saved under Peter's ministry, Peter's getting a re residual off of. I mean, Andrew is. He's getting rewards in heaven. What a great investment. Say, preacher, I can't be no preacher. I can't be an evangelist. I can't. But boy, you can win one to Jesus and let them go, and then you get part of the rewards because there's he that soweth and he that watereth and he that reapeth. And, it's, and Paul said, all receive rewards. Let's not neglect our salvation by not, by, by not sharing it. Share the gospel. Jesus told a story in Luke 14, 23 about a supper. He said, go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Let's do it. Master our salvation. Share our salvation. Let's bury it. Quietly stand to our feet. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is an important day in your life. Why don't you step out of your seat and come to this altar and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Won't you come do that right now? Give your life to Christ and be saved. Step out of that seat right now and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. about a Christian that needs to master this salvation? You, you've been off track maybe? Or maybe you need to really get on track. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? come. If you need to come to the altar, you come today. But says, I am without one plea, that thy blood shed for me, and that thou bidst
you come and give your heart to Christ right now? Come on, Andrew. You can influence Peter. You can win Peter if you'll get saved. You can find your brother. Why don't you come and give your heart to Jesus? Come and give your heart to Christ. Whose blood can each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. One more verse. Just as I am come for a morning offering. The offering is very important. We use it to try to further the kingdom work. 